team and yeah come on jesus and they can uh mary and john can lay there as long as they want they won't bother anything i'll just keep preaching so if you want to hit the lights too sweet so yeah so we've been um talking about the love of god you know um last week we we just talked about the accepting you know love of god and and uh one of the things i said was um, and I, I quote, requoted it on Facebook this week, but is that God knew me fully. He knows you fully. He knows us fully, and yet he loves us anyway. That, that just baffled me. I was meditating on that this week. God knows me fully. There's not anything in my heart hidden from him. Who searches the heart but the spirit? The Bible says he knows every single hair that falls from my head. Every tear that I have wept, God has seen. Every wicked thought that's come into my mind, every one that I've agreed with and every one I've rejected. He's seen it all, and yet he loves me anyway. That baffles me. That baffles me. But today we just want to kind of talk about, I'm going to touch on four different types of love. Because, you know, the world defines love, love, and the body defines love, and the Bible defines love, and everybody's got their opinion. Well, I think love is, and love is, you know, love to me is this, and uh, it's a feeling, it's a just knowing, it's a, it's a steadfast, unwavering love. But how many of you know that there's actually multiple types of love? It's not just all is love. So like when the Bible says God is love, it's not saying God is like, you know, some of the definitions the world likes to show us what love is. And so actually, though, some of what the the world does say uh, as love, it is a definition of love, but it's a type of love. And we're going to kind of just look at that today. There's four types we're going to touch on. I may do some some teaching and preaching, um, but I, I just really want us to grasp it and understand also, that in our Bible and in our, in our language, when we read the word, you know, the, the words are used in the English language for multiple words that are actually in the Greek. So a lot of times when, when so it says, for God so loved the world, okay? But then it says, um, those, it, it, there's another verse that says this, and it says, if you love Jesus, or sorry, the Father will love you if you love Jesus. Well, one is phileo love and the other is agape love, and it's two types of of love and we want to look at that and you really that's why it's so important and we live in 2021 in one of the most uh extraordinary times to study the bible i don't believe there has ever been a a better time to be alive as far as um the study of the word why because at my fingertips is greek hebrew aramaic original language every scroll i could want uh, a pro- the Apocrypha books, all of it, everything's right here. I can access it at a touch of a button. I can pick up any translation I want and study the Word. Do you know what the Apostle Paul would have done to have this kind of tool? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they would have been out beside themselves. The Bereans, you know, that the Bible talks about who studied um, the Word to make sure everything Paul was saying was on point. You know how, how like, bl- like if we could go back in time and hand them this and say, here they, oh, they'd be like a giddy schoolgirl, you know. And so it's, it's so, it's so amazing. And so we want to do that. And I want to teach you to do that. Uh, it's what I do. I, I don't, I don't just ass- anymore just read a verse and, uh, and assume my thought about it is correct. Unless, of course, it's an inspiration by the Holy Spirit, a divine thought. Um, but even then, I want to research it out. I want to research the context. I want to read around the verse. What is, what, it, what is being said even around the verse? What was being said uh, culturally? And we want to look at all that stuff. And so, um, Many of you know we follow the Spirit, and the Bible says that, uh, you know, the people of the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know which way they're going. So you may come in here one day, and the glory of God may break out, and we may never even teach or preach. You may come in here, we may have extended worship. You may come in here, and I may teach and sit and teach, or I may come in sound like a crazy evangelist screaming and run around with my head like, you, you just never know. Because why? Because God is alive. He's living. You get around his throne, four living creatures, eyes all over their body, four faces, one of an ox, one, I read it this morning, one of an ox, one of an eagle, one of a man, and one of a lion. He just, they're so, he's so multifaceted that literally the creatures around him staring at him become multifaceted. You know, he's like a rainbow. God is light, and, a rain, and light manifests like what? It's got all these multicolors. He's so multifaceted, and we want to know every facet of him. I want to know Jesus as preacher, Jesus as teacher, Jesus as bridegroom. I want to know it all, right? So let's look at love today. 
I'm going to read, I think. No, you know what? I'm going to do my teaching because then I might do some preaching. All right. So, let's see. Are we good? Let's pray. Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, help. You're our hope to know Jesus. Make the word alive. Break up the fallow ground of our heart. Create in us good soil to receive your seed your word, and let it bear forth fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So the highest form of love, out of the four types of love we're going to talk about, the highest form of love is agape love. Agape love is an unselfish, committed love. I know a lot of times it has been taught as an unconditional love. I'm not going to really go into that today. We might get into that later. But it's actually, that's not the proper understanding of it. It is an unselfish, committed love. Agape love. Um, I actually have the definition for that one here. A little extended definition for you. It is a divine love. It is goodwill. It is love which centers on moral preference. That's very, very key. It's a love that is centered on a moral preference. Whose moral preference? God's moral preference. Uh, it is benevolence. I love this. It's a love feast. So when the Bible says God is agape, it's saying God is a love feast. It's so good. Uh, it's affectionate. It's love by God. It is to choose to live God's ways by God's power. That's a very interesting uh, definition that they have wrapped up in agape love. That it is choosing to live God's way by God's power. That's amazing. Uh, let's look at it here. So, again, agape love is an unselfish committed love. I thought I was going to teach, but it don't feel right. Let's go. God's love is an unselfish committed love. Listen to this. It loves when all other types of love quit. The agape love of God loves you. So God is love. And it loves you when all other types of love quit. And it cares when there is no apparent reason to care. So it's that moment when really you've done something or been some type of way and there's really no reason to actually care. It's also that moment when just like yesterday, and I'm not patting ourselves on the back, I'm just using an example. Um, and I had, we had an amazing testimony when we went out um, yesterday um, to feed the homeless. And there was just this one guy, I think his name was, was it Cornell? Was that his name? I think it was. Um, and so... We were, we were driving, and we saw him walking, and we just rolled down the window and said, hey, man, are you hungry? And you would have thought I gave him a million dollars. His face lit up. He was, like, just so joyous. He came over. We handed him a couple bags. You know, we were like, here, man, here's some waters. And he was just like, oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Like, can we pray for you about anything? He's like, no, I'm good. Thank you. Like, it's like my prayer was just answered. Like, it's like he probably was like walking. I'm so hungry. God, feed me. And then there we were. You know, you never know. But how many of you know that we agape loved him because there's no reason in the natural to care? Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't know him. We don't owe him anything. It's not doing anything for us. We're not gaining anything in return. It's an unselfish, committed love. This love comes from God into a person when they ask Jesus to come into their heart and to be their Lord and Savior. You cannot have agape love unless you are born again. 
ladies and gentlemen, singles uh, that are looking for a spouse, do not marry an unbeliever. Why? Because they have no capacity for agape love. Do not be unequally yoked to unbelievers. I would say don't even be unequally yoked to people in the Lord at times because you're going to attach to immaturity and it's going to cause all types of problems. But it says this, though. It literally says that it comes when we receive Jesus. If God is agape love, God is agape love. When it says God is love, that's what it's saying is agape love. You cannot have it without God. People would say all all children are God's children. No, all people are God's creation. They are not his children. The Bible's very clear. We know that God's children are been born of God. We're going to look at that in just a moment. Actually, let's go ahead and go right there. We'll go. It's cool. We can do it. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. I'm just going to... No, I'm going to start in ver- uh, chapter 2, verse 28, and I'll just read until and I'll tell you where I stop. And now, little children, abide in him that when he appears we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that, listen to this, everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Behold what manner of love, agape, the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it does not know him. Beloved, now we are the children of God and has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But what, what we know is that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Uh, then you can go on to verse 10, and it says this. In this, or sorry, I'm going to start at verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Who has ever been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So there is those who are born of God and those who are not. That's why it's called being born again. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Why? Because if you are born of God, you will have the agape love inside you. Outside of it, you will not have it. Let's go on. God is our example. He demonstrates his own love, agape, towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. This is such a beautiful example of this agape love because it's an unselfish, committed love. What did God get but a bunch of sinners? Jesus willingly died on the cross, laid his life down for us, and got what? Me and you. There's another beautiful example of agape love. It's in the garden. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but it's okay. Matthew chapter 26, starting in verse 36 through 50. I'm not going to go all the way to 56. It'll be through 46. Then Jesus with them to, uh, went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Somebody say sorrowful and troubled. God felt. Then he said to them, my soul, how many know God has a soul? It's a mind, will, and emotions. My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. 
remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and he prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Agape love chooses God's will over our own. Agape love chooses God's agenda above one for ourselves. Agape love chooses what God wants for us more than what we want for ourselves, regardless of what it costs or how it feels. Listen to this. And as he came to the disciples, he found them sleeping. He said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour, lazy lover. Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So the spirit always wants to operate in agape love. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and he prayed for a third time, saying the words again. Three times he went and crucified his flesh before he crucified his flesh. Three times he crucified his flesh in the secret place of prayer with the Father before he sacrificed his flesh in the open on the cross. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. I'm going to show you this agape love. The Lord said that he had to go and die. And Peter said, Lord, not so. How did Jesus respond? Get behind me, Satan. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. You are mindful of the flesh. You are mindful of what you desire and you want and your perspective and the way you think things should be. Listen, let me tell you something. It makes absolutely no logical sense that the king of glory, the king of all, all powerful, all knowing, all seeing, manifests in flesh and has to die. Baffles us that he would do it that way. Why wouldn't he just snap his fingers and take power? He said it. I could call down ten thousands of my father's angels in one moment. And then we read one angel, and I believe it's in first or second Kings, one angel comes with a hundred and, and kills 185,000 people. That means ten thousand angels could wipe out the whole earth in a second. And he, that's what he's telling you. Listen, the power that I hold, I could do this like that. But why? Because this agape love is unselfish. God could do it and be justified in doing it. Though he chooses this path that to us seems unjust. Why? Because there's no greater love than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. He demonstrates agape love by being unselfishly committed to some people. Listen, the Bible says that for God so loved the world. That means everybody. The Bible says that God would that none should perish. That means everybody. He says, for the Son of God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might, somebody say might, be saved. Jesus displayed a unselfish, committed agape love for a people that might choose him. Thank you, Lord. How many of you know Peter walked closer in proximity in the natural with his eyes with the Lord more than any of us? I'm going to go there again. Okay, so everybody knows Peter and John were there at the same time, right? So John said this, 1 John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our own eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. 
The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is he saying? I set my eyes on the Word made flesh. He who dwelt with God from the beginning. This is the same guy who wrote who wrote the uh, epistle of John or the Gospel of John when he says the Word was with God and the Word was God. He's saying the same thing. We actually handled, we touched, we saw with our own eyes, we laid hands on the Word Himself. So did Peter. That's why he's saying we. Right. This saying Peter that did all this missed the will of God. Looked right at him and said, you ain't dying. You know what he was saying? He was so off on what God wanted in the moment. He said, you're not going to give me my salvation. That's what Peter was confessing. Think about that now. Because without the shedding of the blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The Son of Man must be lifted up just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness that all might be healed. So Peter is so concerned about what he wants. He's so selfish in what he wants. I want you to never leave me, to never die, to never go away. He's so caught up on what he wants and what will benefit him. He thinks in the moment that he literally declares, I don't want my salvation. Man, praise God for mercy. There's a saying, uh, I read it the other day in Chronicles. I would love for us to start saying it. I'm not big into cliche things, but I just think it's so good. And, you know, it happened when Solomon actually said this. In the moment he said this, the cloud of glory filled the temple. And it, So I'm going to say God is good. I want No, I'm going to say God is good. I want you to say, and his loving mercy endures forever. God is good. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. So, how many of you know we can, we can miss the agape love of, of God in a moment because we because of our selfishness, because of our flesh, get caught up in what we want. It will blind us to the agape love. God may even, I, I spoke about it earlier, I said we're in a season of a window of mercy. you got to understand that Peter was in a season of a window of mercy. He thought he was losing everything when Jesus died. He didn't know he would gain everything by it. His selfish flesh tried to hold on to what he had, and he was literally missing a window of what would save him. Man, may it not be so for us. Jesus. Let's move on. Are we good? Yeah? Amen. People make, listen, people make friends with others according to the kind of car they drive, or what kind of clothes they wear, or their status in a society. The agape love of God goes past the surface, enabling us to look deep into heart, the heart and love people for who God has made them to be, despite their faults and shortcomings. Again, agape is a committed love, not an unconditional love. It is committed. It is committed to what? If agape love, as we read earlier, is choosing to live God's way by God's power. Agape love is divine love. It's a love that we don't have void of God, that we can only get once we're born of God, and we can only walk in it and maintain it by the Spirit of God. You know, this love is patient, kind, good, full of gentleness, self-control, meekness, right? This love, you can't manufacture that. You may be a decent person, but you won't have agape love. Even the most decent person in the world, void of agape love, their love is still in its, in its core, in its origin, selfish. It's what can I get from the relationship. I'm telling you, you counsel anybody, you talk to anybody, you, you bring them in, they're talking about, you know, well, why do you want to marry so-and-so? Why do you love so-and-so? And, -so? and I, I'm telling you, listen 
listen. And it, for me, as a, as, in a past, as a pastor, if it's all about what that person makes them feel or this or that, red flag. You're, you're speaking of a phileo love, which we'll get to in a moment, and not agape love, which phileo love is, is necessary, and it actually is from God. And we're gonna, you're going to see that in a moment. But what I'm looking for is where's the agape love? Because I'm going to tell you, agape love is the one that will keep you when all other loves fail. Agape is committed love and not an unconditional love. I'm going to read this portion in, in John because it is before we move on, because it is all agape. Every time you hear love, it's agape love. So we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 7, and we're going to go all the way to chapter 5, verse 11. I love the word. You love the word? Let's read the word. And then I'm actually going to jump around a little bit. I'm going to talk about... Uh, one type of love briefly because I've got like the less the the least on it so verse 7 first John chapter 4 verse 7 beloved let us love one another let us agape one another for agape love is of God and everyone who agape who loves is born of God and knows God he who does not love does not know God for God is love he who does not Love from patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. He who does not love from that love does not know God. It's called the fruit of the Spirit for a reason. There is a spirit tree and there's a flesh tree. And when you walk up to that tree, you will find either apples or pears. Spirit or flesh. You ain't getting a pear tree from a spirit tree, and you or from an apple tree, and you ain't getting apples from a pear tree. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. We just talked about that. It was the agape love of God that in that garden, Jesus literally had to go crucify his flesh three times praying, Lord, if you can take this from me, I don't want it. Which tells me, tells me that he was tempted to partner with the same thing Peter was tempted to. The difference is he didn't give it place in his heart. He chose agape love. Often choosing agape love will force us to slay our flesh, almost always. Why? Because, again, it's not rooted or originating from the flesh. It's only rooted and originating from God. In this love, God was manifest, or God, in this, the love of God, the agape, was manifested towards us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the appropriation of our sins. We did not agape him. He agaped us, and now because he agaped us, we can agape him. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. The, and I'm about to tell you right here, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but that's okay. The proof in the pudding, whether you have been born of God and have agape love, is the, is, is the, the way it manifests towards your brothers and sisters in Christ and how you agape them. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. That's amazing. Obviously, we know the Bible's very clear. Love God. It's the greatest commandment. But John's saying that his love has not been perfected in us, nor does it abide in us if we don't love our brothers and sisters. The proof that God's love is in us and working in us is the love and affection we have towards other Christians. How many of you have ever met another believer and you didn't need them to tell you that they were a believer? There was an a, a innate love from them, to, from you towards them that didn't originate in you. And you, you couldn't understand it because you don't know them. You've never spent time with them. But it's like, I feel like I've known you my whole life. I love you. Like, I just love you with the love of God and I can't explain it. Agape. That's this. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Again, you'll, an apple tree, you'll know. And we have, it's funny that the love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle. And then go over to the fruit of the spirit. They're all the things love are, love is. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent the son as savior of the world. 
Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God, and we have known and believed the love of God, or the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. God is agape, right? Well, first it says, sorry, let me backtrack. We, you have to believe that God agapes you. That's the first key here. It starts out with it. How many of you know things in Scripture are there for? That's why love is patient is first. Because you ain't being kind if you ain't patient. Let me tell you. Been some, some years getting pruned driving through Youngstown. People cutting me off, honking the horn. And I'm like, and I was like, I'm not kind. But why was I not kind? Because I was in a hurry. But why am I in a hurry? Because I'm lacking patience. Oh, I need to access the agape love I have. And agape love them and be patient with them unselfishly. Because being selfish is me loving the fact that I can yell at you and exasperate myself instead of crushing that thing and just loving you. So we must believe agape that God has for us. God is agape, and he who abides in agape abides in agape because it says God and God is love. And agape in him and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this. I love this. (laughs) We may have boldness in the day of judgment. If you're questioning where you're going to stand on the day of judgment, love is not perfected in you right now. Meaning what? You really don't understand the agape love of God. This is not not talking about treasures in heaven and all these things and why we did what we did and motives of the heart and a lot of the things that God judges and will try by fire and give. This is talking about I know I'm getting in. I know I'm like it don't matter. I'm I'm I've got my get out of hell free card. This is what this is talking about. God loves me. No matter what, God chose me and he loves me. God has uh, Romans 9. I encourage you all to read it. I'm scratching the surface. I don't know when we're going to go there. But Romans 9, read it. The Bible's very clear. And this is blowing my mind, my doctrine, all of this is blowing my mind. It literally says this. God has mercy on whom he'll have mercy on. And he'll harden the heart of who he he hardens. And it's his choice. And he's God. And who are we to question God? I'm not going to go there today. But I'm like, woo, makes a lot of sense. Why, why God pours out his agape on some, and yet they turn from him, you know. Anyway, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. This is encouraging. So God is agape, right? As God is, so are we in this world. That means if God is agape... We're agape in this world. We're love in this world. We define love in this world when it's defined through agape. Isn't that amazing? There is no fear in love. In what kind of love? Agape love. There may be fear in the other types of love that we're going to talk about in a moment. But agape love, void of fear. It's a good indicator if you're operating in one of the four we're touching on. And I know, oh, we're great on time. Uh, One of the four we're touching on uh, today it's a good indicator to know which one you're operating in is if presently you're living in fear. So if I've got an issue with Jen and something's going on in my life and I go to talk to her and I'm being motivated and, move, and I'm worried about losing something in my life, I'm worried about her taking something from me, I'm worried about what she's going to say or do this, I'm not operating in agape love. I'm in fear. And I'm operating selfishly. Because if I was unselfish, there is no fear because this ain't about me. Me coming to talk to Jen, it's not about me and it ain't even about her. It's about God. Because if it comes about her, I might be in a fear of how it's going to affect her and how she's going to think. And then guess what that does? That makes me become a liar because I can't tell her the truth because I'm worried about what she's going to say to me. And God is not a man that he should lie. Agape is not a man that he should lie. And so if I'm going to agape her, I'm going to be completely void and free of fear and able to be completely transparent and be transparent in such a way that's not cocky, that's not demeaning, that's not tearing you down, but is truthful and honest and is what it is. And sometimes it hurts. There is no fear in love. Yeah, it does say it doesn't say there is no there is or sorry, it doesn't say agape is painless. Do you want proof? We just read it in the garden. 
<laughs> look at the cross. Agape, the, the highest form of agape, literally they had to make a word called excruciating to describe it. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect agape removes all fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. We agape him because he agaped us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. You liar. Clear. I didn't say that. The Bible says that. You better look yourself in the mirror and say, don't be a liar. Help me love my brother and sister. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who agapes God must agape this brother also. Hey, huh. That'll destroy racism. That'll destroy sexism. That'll destroy it all. How you have a superiority complex when you're operating in agape love? You won't because love is not puffed up. Come on now. And this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We love to read that part of born of God. And we actually go off of that and we go, well, yeah, I'm a Christian. I confessed and said a prayer. Yeah, but do you agape? Do you agape? And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. What does that mean? It means if you love him, you will love his children. That's just what I was talking about. You meet that person, and it's like, I can't understand it. I just love you. And I know, I know by the Spirit you know God. You're born of him. There's people in this room, the first time I walked up to you and I talked to you, I just knew. By this we know that we love the children of God. You ready? When we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. This is agape. This is agape. It is choosing to live God's way by God's power. It is agape. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are, somebody say not, burdensome. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You must believe what everything we just read. Who, who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and by and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood. And listen to this. It is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is true. If your spirit ain't bearing witness in somebody, take that as a nice red flag right there. I'm just telling you. They, it, your spirit will bear witness whether they're born of God or not. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. I love this. This is probably, if you don't believe that there is, we serve a triune God that is three and one, here is the most clear. Well, there's plenty other clear. There's conversations between the three all throughout Scripture. But here you go, right here, because it says they're in heaven. Listen, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. The, who is the Word? Jesus. All These three are one. These three are one. If we receive the witness of men, sorry, and there are three that bear witness on the earth, the spirit, the water, baptism, and the blood, the blood of Jesus. And these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, um, and that could be include the water of the word, but the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his son. He who believes in the son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe in God has made him a liar. What does he say? He who believes in God has the witness. Who's the witness? In himself. It's great. It will bear. You, when you're born again and have the agape love of God, you won't have to prove it. God will prove it through you. It's called the vindication of the Lord. He is... He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his son. And this is the testimony that God has given us, eternal life. Mm. 
and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. You could also say, because we just read it, he who has agape has the Son. He who does not have agape does not have the Son. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of, of, of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. All these things I just wrote, not just about this, but also about love. Everything I just told you about love is so that you may continue to believe and know that you have eternal life by what? The evidence of that life in your life. So beautiful. Amen? All right, let's, let's, let's quickly jump on. I'm going to skip to the final type of love, and I'm going to do number one and number four first. Number fourth is eros. Somebody say eros, love. Eros, love is sexual love. Eros, love is, is sex between, obviously, God's context is between a man and a woman. Obviously, then the world would take that and twist it and, and say it's this and it's that and free love and, you know, um, you know, all love is love and, and, and all that. When they say all love is love, they are not saying all agape is agape. They're saying all eros is eros. That's the word that they're using. That changes a lot, right? Because our English language uses one word, love. But the Greek is not so. So what happened is when, when they say, well, all love is love and God is love, so God's okay with it. They're tying eros and agape together, but eros and agape do not go together. You may eros someone you agape if you're born again and married. But eros is only permissible in agape through marriage. It's the act of two becoming one, eros. And so it is a completely uh, God-given love in the context of God's way. Eros is only God-given in agape. Does that make sense? Even, even, when he says, even when he says, don't be unequally yoked. And then Paul goes on to say, don't join the members of God to the members of a harlot. That could read, don't you who are agape, don't eros with somebody who is not agape. Does that make sense? So do I need to go further into what eros is? Do we all understand what eros is? All right, cool. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack, and I'm going to end with, it's E-R-O-S. I'm going to talk about another type of love. I'm going to go one, four, three, two. Ready? All right. Another kind of love uh, is storage. Or sorry, it's, it's not storage. It's, I pronounced it wrong. I got it how to pronounce it right here. Hold on. It's storge. Storge. S-T-O-R-G-E. Storge. S-T-O-R-G-E. G-E. I thought it was like storage or storage. There's my English language trying to do it. But it's store gay. So it's like S-T-O-R-E dash G-A-Y is how you pronounce it. Store gay. But it's, it's spelled S-T-O-R-G-E. This is a physical show of affection. This is, and so I love this because storage and eros are not the same thing. Stand up. Storage. Ain't going to be no eros. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. <laughs> Storage is a physical show of affection that results from a pure motive. It may be a hug, a kiss, or another expression of genuine affection. Because males are different than females, um, typically females need this kind of love more than males, but not always. And that you can just take that and say, probably not, in my experience. I've seen that both need it just as much as the other. So this type of love, again, is it's a hug, it's a kiss, it's an affection. So um, typically, this storge comes out of phileo which we're about to talk about in just a moment. So we understand what storge is. It's not eros. Eros is specifically sex, right, and love in that way. Storge is a physical show of affection that results from a pure motive. I love that it points out it results from a pure motive. So this is, in again, 
in the proper context, this type of love must be from a pure motive to be loved. That means a hug and a kiss in, uh, that is not from a pure motive is not love. A hug that I give you to get, oh, well, I better hug him so you know he feels comfortable and he thinks he's valued and this and that, and I need to do it because I'm doing it for my motive or I want him to like me or I know his love language, if you know the love language, is his touch, so I'm just going to do it so that you know I can check that box off. That's, that would not be storge. Storge must come from a place of pure motives. I want to hug you and hold you because you are who you are and I feel how I feel. Pure. Not to get. Does that make sense? Good love. So here we go. Number two. All right. Number two is phileo. Phileo love is the kind of love that makes agape enjoyable. That tells me two things. That tells me that agape can be unenjoyable. That goes back to the cross. Agape love is not always fun. It is painful. It can have you on your face for years. For years crying out to God. It can have you in the Garden of Gethsemane for years. Uns- being unselfishly committed. I also want to just touch on this again. Unselfishly committed, not unconditional. That means there does come a point when, when we must pull back. We know that, right? You, you, you want a, an example of that? Look at the children of Israel and how often they would sin against God. And God was agape the whole time. And in God's agape, he would have to pull back. And it got to the point where God's favor and good and kindness and all those things, his phileo, his phileo, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, God's phileo had to be withheld because at this point, phileo and agape were at war with each other. Does this make sense? The cross, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm going to come back because I want to define phileo, and I think we won't catch it if we don't understand because I'm starting to compare the two, and I don't think we have it. Let me go back. Phileo is the kind of love that makes agape love enjoyable. Phileo love is having tender affection towards someone. Most friendships, catch this, are built on phileo love. The world can have phileo love, but not true phileo love because all true phileo love is rooted in agape love. We're going to see that in just a minute. But obviously people have friendships and tender affection towards one another. But listen to this. Phileo love is having tender affection towards uh, someone. Most friendships are built on phileo love. Phileo love is that something that you see in another person that draws you to them to be their friend. It's one thing to unselfishly commit yourself to love agape someone who you don't like to be around because they irritate you. It's quite another thing to unselfishly commit yourself to love someone who is tenderly affectionate, phileo. There's a two different, there's, there's, this, you see what I'm saying? This is why um, people can come in and be jacked up and have this wrong and all that. And, and, and though they, you know, it's not like I would have them come like be around me 24-7 all the time. There's no phileo, but I agape love them. I, I love them with the love of God. That love extends. It's not easily irritated. And I, I, can, I can typically tell if I'm operating in agape or phileo because if I'm operating in agape, um, you know, I won't be irritated. But phileo, I can become irritated. Does that make sense? The tender affection of phileo love makes the unselfish committed love of agape enjoyable. It is the joy of friendship. It is the joy, sorry, in friendship. It has been said that phileo love is human love, but if that were the case, then why does God the Father, who is not a human but a spirit, phileo love Jesus, his son, and us? John 16, 27, Jesus said, 
the Father himself loves. This is not agape, it's phileo. You, God phileo you. God tenderly has affection and is tenderhearted towards you. Check this out. Why? Because you have phileoed me. So the Father God pours his phileo out on us as we phileo Jesus by the Spirit. See how all they three work in one? So again, a lot of times we're running around talking about, but I thought God was good and God wanted to bless me and God wanted to do these things and God wanted to do that. Well, wouldn't that be his, his phileo love? His tender affection. Why is it, why am I not encountering the presence of God? Why am I this? Why am I that? It's the tender affection of God. And what does God say? He gives his tender affection to those who give their tender affection to his son. So then we can stop and say, am I phileoing? Am I tenderly aff- being affectionate towards Jesus, his son? Or is he just a, uh, another thing in my life? Passed off to the side. I want to go back to, yeah. God's desire for relationships is that we tenderly love phileo each other while we overlook each other's faults and fail- failures, agape. So it's both. Again, you can be an agape without phileo. As a Christian, it's really hard to be in phileo without agape, although you, you, you can. So I want to go back to this. Phileo love is the kind of love that makes agape love enjoyable, meaning, again, I can be an agape love without it being enjoyable. God, you see God, you want to see God's phileo. Look at the journey through the wilderness. Manna down from heaven, everything you needed, I got it all, what you want. You know, it's just like when a, a guy meets a girl or a girl meets a guy. It's like, you can have all my time. Everything I got is yours. Everything in my kingdom, all, all I ever had is, is here. It's yours. I mean, literally, when a husband goes to, in, in, in this context, in this culture, when a husband would go to get a wife, he would literally have to pay a dowry to the father. I'm phileoing you. I'm giving you every tenderly, because I'm tenderly affectionate to you, here's half of everything I own. Pff, let me have your daughter because I phileo her. Do you see what I'm saying? You see the phileo of God, love of God consistently providing, consistently in the wilderness, consistently I'm leading you by my cloud and by my presence and by my spirit. I'm pouring out my affection on you. I loved you so much I came and I pulled you out uh, from all the other people on the earth. I chose you and I affectionately loved you and I came in power and delivered you from Egypt. Phileo, boom, agape and phileo, by the way. Boom, same time. But then what happens in their rebellion? This is, again, I didn't think I was going to go here, but I am. This is why it's a committed love and not an unconditional love. Because, see, it's committed to you. But it doesn't mean, listen, he will pull back. If, if his phileo is hindering agape, what's going to win out every time? Agape. Because agape is committed. It means if, if I must pull back phileo, in order for you to have agape, I'll do it every time. He's that good. It's why he chastises those whom he agapes. Chastisement is not phileo. It's agape. I'm telling you, God will remove people you absolutely uh, feel like you absolutely care about. He will remove them from your life for agape. He will do it. God will repent of things that he established and set in order because of agape. You want me to prove it? God, we love to say God knew David would always be king. But you better go back and read Saul and King because it does not read that way. God chose Saul as he chose David. God put Saul in a place just like he did David. And he put his spirit on him just like he did. Actually, what's amazing is David was in the wilderness seeking the presence on his own and God put it on it. But Saul got chosen and, his spirit, and God's spirit was dropped on Saul. But it says that Saul's heart was changed and he became a different person. And he even got around the prophets and God's spirit would get on him and he would begin to prophesy. But what happened? God repented of it. Why? Because Saul did not agape God. Why? Because loving God is this, obeying his commandments. And he disobeyed God. He was not committed unselfishly to God. He kept the oxen and the sheep and disobeyed God. 
And it's crazy because you're literally declaring God's not enough to provide, so I need to keep stuff extra. It, well, God, we thought that we would, you know, need stuff and that, that it would be good, so we disobeyed you because, you know, we know that you want us to have good things and all this, so we're going we're gonna to keep this. This is the same God that brought manna down from heaven. We, we, there's no lack in him. Just obey. But what happened? God repented. And then you see God's heart. I love it. God didn't like, it wasn't like God snatched the kingdom from Saul and he was like, you're never going to have it again. Aha, huh. get out of here, Saul. You're nothing worth it. That's not what happened. You want to see what happened? Read what Samuel the prophet did that night. How many of you know, go back and read scripture, prophets not only declare the voice of the Lord, but they feel the feelings of the Lord. And they have to literally wail and cry out and experience the broken heart of God in the word. Go look at Ezekiel when God makes him literally lay down naked in the street and cook his food on dung. Go look at Hosea when God tells him to go marry a prostitute that's going to run around on him. Because why? The prophet had to not only bear the words of God, but the soul of God. Look at Samuel's heart. It literally says God repented, say the word, and Samuel wailed and mourned for Saul all night. So, because, Why? He was touching God's heart. But God knew I had to pull my phileo to try to get agape. And I would say if you go on to read the life of Saul, Saul commits the same sin as, uh, the same sin as Judas. He sought his own salvation. Do you know Peter and Judas committed the same sin? They both renounced and rejected Jesus. But Peter sought his salvation from the Lord. Judas sought his salvation by hanging on a tree. He said, I'm so deserving of punishment. I want to make this right. Here's the money back. I'm going to go kill myself. You know what Saul did? Saul fell on his sword. I don't want this Gentile to kill me. I don't trust God to protect me anymore. And I don't want this guy to kill me. So I'm just going to kill myself. And he took his life in his own hands. He was, again, not agape towards the Lord. Because what is agape towards the Lord? An unselfish commitment. It's good? Now, our phileo towards others. Our affection towards others. Listen to this. When our phileo, our tender-hearted affection towards others, is in direct opposition with our phileo, our tender-hearted affection for the Lord, for God, our phileo love for others must yield every time. What does that mean? That means if I'm truly agape committed to the Lord, I'll never let a phileo love for a person violate my agape love for the Lord. Because I can selfishly want tender-hearted affection from a person outside of the path and the way of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's why affairs happen, and, and it's why all this stuff happens. So we just don't wait for the Lord to do it. People get super far ahead of the Lord. They try to do it in their own strength, and they justify it because, well, I felt this way or I felt that way. And so they allow phileo love, a lesser love, to take away the greater love, agape, the unselfish, committed love of God. So if, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it even deeper, put it in the context of marriage, boyfriend, or friends. Every time I talk to Jen, every time I hang out with her, she's a daughter in the Lord, she encourages me, I feel good, it makes me feel good, it builds up my life, it's amazing, da 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 da, da. Every time I hang out with Caleb, he's my boy, homeboy, it's good, da da da, da. You know, Todd, every time you hang out with Susan, you just feel great. She's your wife. It makes you feel wonderful. You know, you want to be around her, da 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 da, da. But if that phileo starts to take the place of God's phileo in your life, it's got to stop. That doesn't mean that I, you don't stop, you stop loving her, phileoing her. It means you better check and make sure you're phileo, phileoing God more than you are her. And that, that the, the satisfaction that comes from phileo is being met in God more than it's being met in a person. And you know how it's evidenced, again, is I will violate agape for that phileo. I will violate my commitment to the Lord, my love for the Lord, and the commandments of the Lord for this phileo. 
for this tender-hearted, loving, drawing to affection, I'll do it. And you would say, well, isn't especially in the context of marriage, doesn't God calls call us to love our spouse? Like, I- am I not being agape when I love? Yeah, you know, love your wives, agape your wives as as Christ loved the church. Sure. But here's where God's stance is on all of this. And I believe it's Matthew 24, 27, but I could be wrong. It says, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Your enemies will be those of your own household. If you love your family, it says mother, brother, sister, wife, children. I just shorten it family. More than me, you are not worthy of me. If you phileo your family more than me, you are not worthy of me. If you have tender-hearted, loving affection towards your family more than you have tender, loving-hearted affection towards me, you're not worthy of me. It's very clear. God's heart. Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I... Love the love of God. I love God's agape, his phileo, and his storge. And Paul alludes to, and we're not going to get weird and perverted here. It's not what we mean. But that the consummation of the age is God's eros that we have not yet experienced. We're not talking about sexual pleasure. We're talking about the two becoming one. That he literally says that's what's happening at the end of the age when God splits the sky. God will eros man. The two shall become one flesh. He who is one with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. And so we have not yet had that happen. But I want God's agape. I want his phileo. And I want his storge. I want his touch and his kisses. I want his I want his caress. One, I mean, I've had these encounters with the Lord where he comes in the room, he just runs his hand through my hair, storge, and I'm just melt in a moment. <laughs> and I could give a rip less. Listen, I want to tell you something. You will never really, we will never agape anybody until we get recklessly and madli- madly lost in his agape, in letting him love us and loving him back. It's so readily available for us. He so readily paid them. He agaped us to the highest position he could he died on a cross for you and me he declared his love and his phileo his affection tender affection and his storge is accessible to you every single day every single day listen there's an open door right now for unhindered unmatched wonderful glorious Agape, phileo, and storge. This love. This love is an everyday kind of love. Every morning I'm in it. You ever heard that song? The door is open to you. You know what that door is called? Jesus. I am the door. Listen. He loves you. Go read Song of Solomon. You want to see? What I'm talking about, his affectionate love for you. Man, how many of you want to know this love? I want to love. I want to know this love. You guys want to come and play something? Let's pray. God, we thank you that your love suffers long and is kind. That your love does not envy. It does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in sin. You know, if I find sin funny, I'm not in agape. 
but it rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things. Believe That doesn't mean that when somebody tells you a lie, you believe it, by the way. I want to clarify that. That's not what that means. That means if you're a bold-faced liar and you've been lying to me every day of your life, I, I love. I don't have to believe that. What this means is I believe the truth of God. Everything that has been said by God, it believes what God says. Love believes all things said by God. It comes from God. Hopes in all things. Obviously, I don't hope in the works of the devil or the works of the flesh. So what does he mean in all things? Hopes in all things, God says. Endures all things. Love, agape. Agape never fails. Phileo will fail. Storge will fail. Eros will fail you. The agape love of God. The unselfish, committed love of God. He is committed to you possessing agape. He's committed. I want you to say that in your hearts right now. God, I believe you are committed to unselfishly loving me. I repent for doubting that. And I commit to every time doubt comes, I'll put the cross in its face. God, I want your agape. I want your phileo. I want your storge. And at the end of this age, I want your ergos. Jesus, help me love you. Holy Spirit, shed abroad the love of Jesus in my heart. Let's get the lights. Thank you for joining us on Encounter Podcast. We pray it has been a blessing to you. We would be honored if you would prayerfully consider supporting this ministry by becoming a monthly partner or sowing a one-time offering helping us bring the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord to the lost and the continued training and equipping of his bride, the church. For more information on how to become a partner or make a donation, please go to Encounter1078.com and click on the donate button. Thank you, and may the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus be upon you.